Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Chris Sapo of Tidal Markets, a provider of short-interest volatility data. In our conversation, Chris and I discuss the securities lending market and how Chris's proprietary volatility formula gives investors access to incredibly powerful short-interest data. So in this episode, I'm joined by Chris Sapo of Tidal Markets. Thank you very much for joining today, Chris. Yes, thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Um, Chris, I am de- I'm delighted actually to have you on the podcast today. It's the first time that I'm kind of officially um, covering the the kind of short interest side of things. And, and obviously that's kind of, well, I've discussed short, uh, you know, going short on things, but actually uh, I've never, never kind of grappled with that, with, uh, with the realities of it and the data around it. So um, this is, uh, this is very exciting for me. Um, why don't we begin just to set the scene, Chris, why don't we begin? Why don't you just introduce what Tidal does very quickly? Yeah. So Tidal Markets is a, a research and data firm that uh, you know, specializes in securities lending volatility data. Um, we've been around since you know, 2019 uh, and we you know, amalgamate securities lending volatility data. We study its correlations to stock market activity. And uh, you know, aside, we also you know, produce securities lending volatility data files uh, presently with US equities only. Um, but that's, you know, uh, you know, disseminated in volatility, you know, per security data files um, for all U.S. equities. And then we also roll that up to at the, the sector level and at the industry level. So, yeah, small encapsulation. That's what we do. Yeah, Brilliant. Elevator pitch. Perfect. Okay, well, <laughs> let's go. Let's go back a little bit then, Chris. Um, why don't yeah. you tell me? Because um, Tidal Markets is a it's a small company at the moment yeah. is it not um yes. why don't we um why don't we go back why don't you tell me how it came about yeah yeah the backstory absolutely yeah so for um basically just fresh out of college um after undergrad i had you know gotten a job with uh SunGuard, uh and and they actually ended up getting acquired by fis uh, several years ago um so i guess now currently known as fis uh, in their capital markets division, there's a business unit called Aztec Analytics, and Aztec Analytics is one. Maybe, of- maybe just what does SunGuard do and what does um, FIS do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, FIS, uh, a little bit more broadly based on SunGuard, but FIS focuses on uh, you know software technologies. Uh, I think their specialty in particular is, is bank and payment systems. Um, you know, kind of behind the scenes, but overall, FIS and SunGuard. You know, work on you know back office, you know financial technology, uh, softwares, um, you know for for you know for banks, brokerage firms, um, you know, etc. And so, okay, yeah. So you're working for a uh, you're working for SunGuard, and then they got bought by FIS. Um, and and what were you doing? 
Yeah, so at, at uh, Aztec Analytics, um, you know, they in the capital markets division, they, uh, part you know, their prime, uh, you know, business was amalgamating securities lending data. And so my first job there was as a database engineer. Um, and I worked there for five years, um, working on all, you know, operational aspects of securities lending data. And so, uh, you know, in that role, you know, I was doing everything from, you know, onboarding and speaking directly with, you know, customers, um, you know, global banks, um, yeah. you know, brokerage firms from around the world who are submitting their securities lending transactional data on either the lending side or the borrowing side um, to the firm, you know, onboarding them, you know, massaging the data into our, our system and then, uh, you know, amalgamating that information rolling it up at the security level in which, you know, our main flagship product back then was lendingpit.com, which is still widely used today by securities lending traders, you know, of the, uh, how did you start coming towards title? Yeah. So title, um, uh, you know, so I spent, you know, in depth with this data for forever, right. Um, you know, for five years, I'm examining at the granular you know, levels, um, the, the transactional data. Um, uh, and so, uh, you know, kind of spinning away, though, and just kind of career development and growth, I, I had left SunGuard um, to attend grad school um, and, and study my master's in finance. And it happened to be when I was in a coursework with um, financial econometrics, you know, kind of got the, the, the brain going here with finance, economics and statistics. Uh, just took some coursework. I, I, I it kind of stumbled upon me. Actually, it was a, one of those random stories. Uh, where, you know, three o'clock in the morning on, on a Saturday, I uh, couldn't sleep, kind of popped up out of bed, actually, and rolled over to the desk and just wrote down uh, a, a couple ideas that I had about this data. And so uh, at one, of, of course, happened to be volatility. And so I pursued that. Um, I, I had, you know, with, you know, previously established connections at, you know, FIS, Aztec Analytics, um, I was able to kind of, you know, massage and try to get some data to, to, to test out my theory and kind of fine tune it and just see, hey, is there something here um, that, that that might be of interest? Let's come to that. I think so. I think that is the so that what you're describing is the the kind of secret source that makes tidal markets um, run. And it's essentially the product. Um, and, and you um, very cleverly came up with the with this kind of volatility theory. Let's set the scene a little bit more, shall we, about what the volatility theory that you've uh, that you created and 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 um have made the most of what it what it what problem it solves and what it sits on top of so what is the what's the underlying data and what does that world look like um before your volatility your volatility theory comes along yeah so um the idea and how a market functions work right now is is right um, let's just say you're a hedge fund and you want to, to short, you know, 50,000 shares of Apple stock. Okay. Um, you need to locate those shares. Okay. In order to execute that transaction, the actual transaction unbeknownst to maybe some people is, is you need to borrow those shares, right. And then sell them at the open market. And then you'll receive cash collateral. The expectation is the price will go down. And when it does go down, you know, you can close that, that, that short position, that open uh, position that you have. Um, but, you know, locating those 50,000 shares, okay, as a hedge fund, you go to your prime broker, okay. And, you know, you say, hey, I need to borrow 50,000 shares. I want to short Apple stock, okay. Uh, 
Now, uh, your broker, and that's the, the relationship between the broker and uh, the hedge fund, I, I typically tend to call that the retail markets, just the regular you know, stock markets, but the retail markets. Um, your broker, although there are some you know, fine-tuned nuances to where the broker can locate their shares in-house called fully paid lending, I won't get into that for now, but your broker in essence, especially for a large order like this, uh, just being a broker as a middleman needs to locate those shares. So they actually kind of turn around their seat um, 180 degrees and go into what's called the, you know, the wholesale markets, or I like to call the securities lending markets, right? Mm -hmm. And so what they do, that transaction that, that exists behind the scenes is the broker will go out with their pre-existing relationships um, with uh, lending agents and, and just a quick, quick uh, quip on lending agents. So what you have is on the other side of the aisle, you have you know institutional investors, you have endowment funds, you have mutual funds, insurance companies, all of these folks with massive portfolios, right? And uh, an additional way for them to garner return off of their securities that they hold in their portfolio is to participate in securities lending, this wholesale marketplace. Um, and so they don't typically do it directly on their own behalf. What they do is they'll hire custodial banks like the State Streets, the, the Bank of New York Mellons, BlackRock, et cetera. They'll uh, essentially hire a, a fund administrator to oversee their funds um, and, and act as lending agents on their behalf. So what will happen in this scenario is, is that broker, you know, will, you know, in the, on the wholesale side, you know, now become the borrower. Whereas again, in the retail side, they're the lender lending to the, the hedge funds. On the wholesale side, they're looking to borrow 50,000 shares for someone. So what happens is, is they, you know, speak with, you know, whoever they are. And it's a very, you know, opaque market. Uh, it's done on no formalized exchanges. Uh, it's a lot to do with telephone calls and personal relationships. It's the, it's the, 19, it's the 1970s, basically. Yeah, it still is. It very much still is. There are some they, they, they all got massive glasses as well. And, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, braces, yeah, absolutely. Braces and things. Yeah, yeah. They might even still use pigeons to you know, <laughs> uh, send out some of these messages. No, I, I think it's beyond that. It's probably those massive telex machines or uh, yes. something like that. You know, yes. We, we're, 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 in, we're in that world. But um, yes. uh, keep, <laughs> keep going, sorry. Yes, yeah. So so they go out and uh, they say, hey, you know, I, I need to borrow 50,000 shares. They need to locate those 50,000 shares because let's just say hypothetically they don't have them in-house. So they they speak with you know the lending agent and they come to terms of agreement. And, and this is in essence what securities lending is. The, the lending agent who acts you know as an administrator of whoever it is that they're representing on the beneficial owner side, um, you know, they'll say, hey, you know, I got 50,000 shares for you. Um, and the, the quick negotiation is, is, all right, well, I got the shares for you. What are you giving me in return? And some of those variables that go into that are, hey, um, you know, what's the maybe the duration of the contract, um, which is typically loosely defined. But, what, you know, what's the volume of shares? You just need 50,000. You want a little bit more just in case. But there's overall, though, the interest rate um, and uh, the, the collateral that they're posting. And, and because and because these conversations are happening in the 1970s, then it's all quite and it's all happening over the phone. You don't necessarily necessarily have the same uh, visibility that you have in 2022 and other markets. You can't see what everyone else is borrowing shares at the interest rate that that people are borrowing shares at because it's all kind of happening behind closed doors a little bit. So, in a way, that that um, that market 
I mean, it, it, it could really suit the lender because <laughs> um, they could, it, in theory, they, they could kind of ask gigantic interest rates and it would be hard to, to, to know if it, was, if it was market price or not. So, yep. um, so this is where Aztec Analytics comes in. Is that right? Yes, Aztec and there's several other competitors, about three competitors worldwide um, that, that provide this, this analytics and transparency service like you're alluding to. Um, but yes, so these lending uh, lenders and then, you know, these borrowers, these brokerage firms, um, you know, they, they have this transactional data. They, you know, they commit these transactions. Um, but yes, very closed off, you know, very, you know, uh, you know behind the you know, closed doors. Um, and so, yes, what, what happens is, is the, these three data providers, Aztec, uh, I believe the other ones are Equilent and IHS Market uh, are the three others or two others. Um, they, they amalgamate the securities lending transactional information and which is really only privy to, to your point, Mark, um, is those who will participate in securities lending, right? So only the, 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 the big global banks, the brokerage firms and, you know, the, the custodial banks, um, uh, who provide their transactional data to these analytics companies like FIS and IHS market. Um, they are the only ones who, who have, you know, uh, sight into what the rates are being charged, how many shares are being lent or borrowed, um, you know, the collateral that's being posted, et cetera. So yeah, it's only those who are in the industry itself have exposure to that data. And so these, these three companies, how they, how they work is that they will, they have access to that data and, um, they make it available under very specific terms. What are those what are those terms? Who do they make it available to and under what terms? Yeah, so they make that available data only to the people who uh, provide data. So their business models are a give to get data. So and, and that's to to, uh, you know, uh, hinder folks taking advantage of say, if they did not provide their data, they can kind of just eavesdrop on what the rest of the industry is doing giving without taking without giving it's a little bit like the glassdoor model i don't know if you've ever um been on glassdoor but in terms of as a punter right. then you yes. can only you know if you they you go on and they say you haven't added any any information over the last year so you can't look at other people's information it's, it's right. like that or or even like linkedin you've got to let other people see you in order to to be um unless you're a you're a you're a a, a recruiter or something you're willing to pay or the money but yes. um so yes. it's that it's the it's the give to get and it's and it's essentially it's a mechanism to serve the market um so that the market understands what the market's doing um and not any external players in just in that part of it at least yes exactly absolutely absolutely yeah it, it, it's trying to provide benefits to all the securities lending participants in a fair you know an equitable manner and that's exactly how it works yeah and so that data as we say aztec analytics etc have that data and they're not uh, allowed to, to 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 sell it. it that data is incredibly interesting to hedge funds and people who aren't providing their own data because it because it um it shows what the short interest is and what what what's going on essentially on the short side of the market um but this is where your genius volatility brainwave at uh, a business school comes in. So that's that's where that's where your your thoughts about volatility come in. 
Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have all these transactions and, and, and I, I always like to highlight, you know, the amount of activity that's going on in this market on a daily basis. I think it's really important that, that, you know, viewers or listeners, you know, hear this, understand this. It's that, um, the, the daily amount of volume in us equities alone is 16 billion shares, uh, that are being lent or borrowed every day. Mm-hmm. And that's four times the amount of daily trading volume on the NASDAQ. So this is big stuff, right? This is, mm-hmm. this is no small, you know, nuanced data sets with a you know, couple thousand transactions, millions of transactions, 16 billion shares being lent and borrowed each day in the U.S. equity markets. Um, so big stuff. And, and yeah, that kind of goes back to, and yeah, you know, I, I was looking at options, you know, I'm saying, hey, this is this pre-existing industry. They calculate volatility. Here we have securities lending, massive participants, massive transactional data. How can I tap into this? How can I look at, um, in particular, the rates that are being, uh, you know, charged to lend or borrow securities? How can I utilize that as a way to calculate volatility? And 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 what is the use case of that? Which you know, further down the road, I was able to research and identify uh, the value add of calculating that data. But that's exactly where you know my mind went in these this coursework um, in grad school about, hey, let's take a look at this. Let's, let's really examine this because no one has, everyone has very limited access to this data. I had the fortunate ability to work at a company that had it, relationships there that, you know, let me do it while I was in, you know, grad school as a, a research uh, case, you know, and so that's, that's where exactly my, my brain went with that. So the VIX, so the VIX is brought is known as the fear index, and it's instead of tracking where the what where the prices are going, it's tracking um, uh, how rapidly they're going, essentially, and how how dramatically they are moving. And they, in terms of the VIX, in terms of um, stock prices, and they could be going up or down. When we're talking about um, short and and stock lending, um, in essence, if if that if those prices or that or that um, that market is moving rapidly, then it can only really mean down for the for the underlying stocks because um, a lot of activity on the lending side means a lot of people are shorting essentially. So that's a it's a one way indicator. So by creating a VIX figure for each one of these um, each one of these tickers, um, then you as a VIX equivalent for lending, then you are essentially you've created you've you've um, you've you've stepped away from the data you're 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 not using data which is not allowed to be used but you are creating a a kind of derivative indicator which will show short interest essentially in that in that stock so you've you've kind of made it uh you've created a new um a new indicator which is uh available for public use yes exactly exactly and targeting you know the the investment you know uh management side of things like that the hedge funds um asset managers family offices so uh i'm able to not you know just focus on the securities lending market participants uh i I use this as a signal for the investment industry but yes exactly and just just to touch upon that right so you know when we're talking you know securities lending and let's just talk about people who are shorting stocks people are shorting stocks every day Right. They're using it to hedge their portfolios for arbitrage strategies. Um, you know, just, you know, generally they might have a, a negative and in particular this case, we're going through a pretty 
pretty choppy times. Um, but, you know, they might be shorting stocks, you know, just for a little bit to increase exposure, or decrease exposure. Um, you know, it, it's not like, oh, Apple stock or even like a Tesla, whatever, whatever may be your, you know, most bullish stock right now. There's always somebody out there shorting securities um, for a multitude of purposes. Um, now, you know, that's 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 definitely how the market uh, interacts. So so what does your data look like? Is it are we talking? Is it a kind of is, have you got all the so first of all, what universe do you cover? And have you got a number next to every ticker? And is that number? Is it between naught and one? Or is it? Is it between? Um, you know, what is it? What does it look like? What does it end up? What does it all come out as? Yeah, so uh, our, our, our current coverage right now is all US equities. So we have about 6000 equities a day that we produce in a data file. Um, and it's delivered via FTP, uh, very simply text file. Um, where, you know, four columns, you have the date, you know, the trading date, the, the securities ISIN, the security name, um, and then we also actually have the trading symbol, but then the calculated volatility value of that security within the securities lending markets. Um, so, so that's the, the data service that we provide, and that's the data coverage that we have. Um, so all the U.S. equities that we're calculating the volatility data from uh, every day based off of activity within the securities lending market. Okay, and it's once a day, is it? Yeah, once a day. We just submit the file seven a.m. every morning. Um, so yeah, and that so, will show yeah. you essentially seven a.m. every morning. You'll submit the file, and that will show you at close of play the night before what the short position was essentially, what the day's trading had been. Yeah. So uh, just to be very clear on that, so um, you know, if you, if we were looking at uh, you know the securities lending analytics providers, right, like the the Aztecs, the, the Equilens, the IHS markets, um, you know, they they provide and that give to get data model. You know, they provide back to their client base, right, that very you know uh, exclusive client base. Um, they provide you know uh, securities of, of you know how many shares are being short. Um, the rates that are being charged, um, you know, in, in, in various formats and, you know, you know, graphical illustrations and direct data feeds, they're doing that. What I'm looking at is specifically volatility, right? And, and, and that's, that, that's, you know, just, just to highlight exactly what that means. Um, going back to what I was just saying before, right? You know, like every day people are shorting, you know, stocks, just like Apple stock, you know, 2 million shares out there that are, are, are being shorted. And that's, you know, I don't know, less than 2% of float. So very, very minimal amount. But again, they have all hedging strategy, arbitrage purposes, you know, there's all different nuances and in investment trading strategies for why somebody's doing that. Uh, but you know, the real kicker there is, is what rate probably in this case, what, what rate are they being charged to short that? Very little, very low. You know, it's a highly liquid stock, no big deal. So it doesn't really, and I guess coming back to my case, you know, Apple stock being shorted even 2 million shares is that really going to flare up in the volatility indicator? Because everyone's pretty much priced around, you know, the same interest rate um, being charged. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of business as usual. Now, what volatility is, right? And let's just get back to the mathematics of it. You know, this is kind of the statistics side of it. Volatility is standard deviation, right? That's what it is. That's all it is. Um, and so what we're looking at is we're calculating the volatility or the standard deviation of rates. And there's a couple of variables that go into it, but in, in, in the highlight, uh, it is looking at the rates that are being charged and the amount of volume that's going behind those rates. 
So quick example to wrap it around. If you have, you know, let's just say everyone borrowing Apple at, uh, you know, a, a couple bips, right? 50, 100 bips max, um, just day-to-day -day activity, right? But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you have somebody who's shorting 500,000 shares of Apple, and they're willing to pay a 10 or 15% annualized interest rate to do that. That's an anomaly, right? And based off of the construction of our proprietary formula, you know, which uses, you know, variables like, again, uh, you know, the amount of shares that are being shorted, the price that they're willing to pay in an interest rate to, to short it uh, on top of the cash collaterals that's being used. Um, you know, we're also, you know, reducing certain variables of the interest rates by, you know, benchmark rates uh, to kind of give that risk-free rate um, on top of a normalization factor. Without getting the weeds, when in an exact event like this happens, where basically as, as the, the, the overall objective goes here is, is if there's something unusual, right, which mm -hmm. is standard deviation, an outlier, an outlier event or activity is occurring by our participant in securities lending, something is happening, okay? That's against the norm. And when that occurs, there are very significant downstream effects in the equity markets, the retail side, like I was talking about before, the general stock markets that you and I participate in. Mm -hmm. That value is exactly the value that I capture and we capture in our data files. It's that signal that when there is standard deviation, again, that's above the norm, um, that is an, is an impetus for what is about to occur or very more likely to occur in the downstream equity markets. And so that is exactly what we're looking at. And, you know, that signal is what we provide as value to our customers. I love it. It sounds brilliant, Chris. What do your clients, how do you think your clients are using it? So they use it in uh, various forms. Uh, it can easily be used as, um, and what I've heard directly is, is risk exposure. So a lot of long short funds, you know, maybe maybe long securities, and then they see this, you know, you know, standard deviation or volatility being flagged in securities lending markets, knowing that it has to do, in particular, of course, with short data, right? So, you know, shorting securities when they're seeing these volatility spikes. Um, you know, they will reduce their exposure if they're long uh, with these securities. Um, on the contrary, if internally they've already been shorting it and they see volatility spikes, they might increase their exposure uh, on this particular security, knowing that there are or is somebody out there in the, in the world who is putting, again, a massive amount of shares at a very high interest rate uh, to borrow these securities to short it. So, you know, long, short equity funds, um, that's, that's kind of the way they play it in that regard. Kind of a, a risk mitigation strategy, but alpha generating strategy as well. Have you got any, any clear example? Have you got any good examples of when it's come up in the data and then it's been all, all over the news or anything like that in terms of, you know, famous short squeezes? Or, or have, you, have you kind of been able to look back after there's been a, 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 an event and see, actually, yeah, it was it was in my data um, early. Oh yeah, we we we've been watching this for years. Um, I mean, a, a great one is I love it. Uh, Robinhood, for instance, last summer, right, did their IPO, and uh, you know, as semi-typical, uh, kind of when you know you do an IPO, it usually goes one way, it either goes up really high or down a lot, right, <laughs> either or. Um, but in this case, uh, Robinhood shot up immediately, um, and when securities lending 
you know, transactions started coming through. <clears throat> we saw volatility at uh, a 24% uh, threshold and above, which um, I think you actually had a question before I didn't answer was, is kind of what's the value of the indicator coming out of this? And just real quickly, you know, anything from zero to 10 in our indicator is uh, a relatively low volatility. When you start to creep up in the 10 to 15s, you know, you know, maybe some small signals for, you know, short term, uh, you know, declination in price. But uh, on the contrary, 15 and above, and in particular, when we get to volat volatility levels or tw of 20 or above, uh, that's when we definitely clearly see that, you know, there's, there's strong inclination for price decline in the near future. Mm. And so I say that in context to Robinhood straight out of the gate when Robinhood, you know, even during its price uh, appreciation, rapid price appreciation, fresh out of their IPO last summer, uh, from day one, we saw volatility at, at 24 uh, and it actually persistently stayed at 24 uh, and, and above for the following eight months. Um, it's, it's gone down modestly. Wow since the start of the new year. This has appeared in the securities lending volatility data. It remained at 24 for the longest time. And that stock went down by over 50, 60%. Um, just after that short, you know, quick spike up, um, you know, in the pursuing months. And we, we knew that from a volatility standpoint, we knew like we called that bluff on day one. And yeah, despite the stock rising, and, you know, folks maybe being a little uneasy. Nah, don't worry about it. It's, it's going to, say revert to the mean, as I like to say. And we knew that that stock was going down immediately. So I mean, you, you're you good. You you could be used as a good kind of CSI, um, CSI markets type thing, because when a stock goes down, there's two things that could have happened. Um, either the current and current owners, for whatever reason, just decided that they didn't want to own it anymore and started selling it, which could be kind of you know, organic selling in a way or, or, or whatever. It's kind of the, the, the historical way. Or somebody has decided that this stock is going to go, going to go bad. And so they've, they've, they've made a bet against the stock. So it's a, uh, but, but so there's two kinds of reasons the stock could go down. And after a stock has gone down, then your data is almost, almost one of the only ways of discovering which it was, whether, whether all the owners of, of, um, Apple all decided at once, or Netflix is a is a topical example. All decided at once. Oh no, actually, um, I'm I uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna move away from this as a result of the of the last results, um, or or whether a group of hedge funds actually chose to to, to point it down. So it's a, in a way you've got a magnifying glass, um, and you you can you can shed light where previously it wasn't clear which one it was. Yes, yes, absolutely. 100%. And that's the value that we're providing. And I, 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 I honestly, in a continuation of that, when you do see, say, Robin Hood, um, you know, you know, you know, hit that massive spike, but then, you know, go down in price pre precipitously over the, the ensuing weeks and months, um, you know, if the volatility were to decrease back to you know, normal levels of, you know, even if it was elevated between 10 and 15, but if it gets down below 10, nine, eight, then that that's actually an indication that, Hey, like this actually might be a good buyback opportunity as well. Um, you know, we don't have these massive shorts out there. We don't have the big players, you know, shorting a lot of quantities um, at, a, at a paying a very high interest rate to short these securities. Uh, that's also could potentially be, 
I don't know if Robinhood's the best example, but I'm just using it as we're talking about it here. Um, but uh, as a, a good buyback opportunity, saying, "Hey, this this kind of this 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 downward trending of the stock price is over. This might be a good buyback opportunity." And or, okay, I was reducing my exposure during this time, but now I can kind of increase my exposure uh, now that this this volatility uh, you know, quip has has gone gone over here. Interesting. Chris, I think this is, uh, I think I, I, I really like it because it's really simple, but it also is incredibly powerful. Um, and you've, you've created the data set, which, which just tells a really hard, strong story, powerful story using, yeah, using and, and your own brainwave, brainwave, your own volatility idea. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful story. Um, and, um, and yeah, I think I, I see a huge amount of value um, and I, I wish you the best of luck in, in continuing with it. Yes, thank you, Mark. Yes, it's so much. Um, I'm very excited as things progress here about where we're about to go. A lot of big things coming up soon. So yeah, looking forward. I appreciate it. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mark.